truth, Lord. What we sang today, what we praised your name for, that it's through Christ, through Christ alone that we are saved, Lord. The theme for most Christians is John 3.16, which we just sang. For you so loved the world. That means all mankind, red, yellow, black, or white. Christian or non-Christian, you loved all the world that you gave your only son. That whosoever would believe in him would have eternal life. Lord, that's what we, our prayer is today. We want the world to have eternal life. But so many people reject you when there's so many proofs that you are the Messiah of Israel. Your grave is empty. All these other spiritual leaders are dead and in their tombs. But Jesus' tomb is empty and nobody could find him. Too many saw him. Over 500 saw him at one time. Not to mention he appeared to Peter and James and John and all the disciples and all the women that followed him around and supported his ministry. Loved him so much that they all went to their graves as martyrs, all the disciples at least. And many more have given their lives because this is not a fairy tale. This is a truth. 66 books and a Bible written over 1,400 years by prophets and kings and peasants all declare one thing, that Messiah is coming. And Messiah has come. And Messiah will come again, not as a baby, but as a conquering king over all his enemies. Are we here, Lord, today? We're not your enemies. We were at one time. But you demonstrated your love towards us that while we were yet sinning against you, you redeemed us. You saved us. And we thank you. We can never pay that debt back to you, Lord. But we can worship you, adore you, praise you, live for you, love on you the rest of our lives. Then when we see you in your glory face to face, we'll be so glad. We'll be overjoyous. As the one song says, will I fall on my knees? Will I dance before you? Will I jump up and down? Will I, will I be able to speak at all? When we see your majesty, your glory, the great God and Savior that you have, you, you are clothing yourself with flesh, coming down here and redeeming us men caught and trapped in sin and depravity and all kind of other things. Today is your day, Lord. But for us Christians, Christmas is every day. It's Christ's day every day for us because we live for you. We love you with all of our heart all of our mind, all of our soul, and all of our strength, Lord. We want the world to know you. We have the same goal you do, that 
all men would not perish but have eternal life. And that's why we're here today, Lord, preaching the gospel. And that's why we're going to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord loud and boldly to the world that's listening. And Lord, to you be the glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you, everybody. You may be seated. For those online, I want to welcome everybody to Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches. And we here, the leadership, the congregation wants to wish you a Merry Christmas and a great Happy New Year. You know, um, that God will be good to you, which he always is, because the Bible declares God is good. <laughs> and he is good. Quit blaming the bad stuff on him. Someday we'll get into a message on that, which if you listen to my messages, you already know it. Listen, for those out there, you're listening to Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're glad you're here. If you're local, we're at 2810 High Paluxo Road in Lantana, Florida. We're a quarter mile west of I-95 on the north side of the road. Um, just look for a building with four crosses on it and a sign that says Merry Christmas. If you come by at night, it'll light up and it'll flash. The wings on a dove are moving. The angel's wings are moving. And it says Merry Christmas. Because the Christ, the T in Christ is a red cross. Because there was precious blood that was shed on that cross for you and for me. So if you're coming this time of year, you know you, um, you shouldn't be able to miss it. But, you know, uh, keep your eyes open. Anyway, um, we're glad you're there. If you don't know our website out there, we're free to, you can go to our website, freedomchurchpb for palmbeach.org, freedomchurchpb.org. You can check us out, find out what we believe in. We, you can listen to messages from, from uh, years back. You can uh, check out some of our ministries, and uh, you can even donate online should the Lord lead you. Um, and we'd be glad to uh, support that. While you're at it, before we go on with, with more, I want to remind you right now, our brother in Christ who, who, who comes to this church is Brett and Nona. They are still in Brazil. You know, he just got back from Nigeria, Nigeria, and he went straight from Nigeria to Brazil. So, um, you know, uh, so that's great. So he's still down there. And any support that you might have given them, you'd be credited to your account by the Lord. You know that, right? And the gospel's still going forth. Brett is alive and active, and he's got other plans when he comes home. Plus, our other other uh, uh, brother in this church, Matt, right here in the in the uh, seat and played the guitar and worship with us. He graduated from Palm Beach Atlantic College with a bachelor's degree in biblical studies. So, <laughs> praise praise the Lord. You know, Matt, you know, uh, I asked Matt, I said, how good are you doing? He says, oh, okay, you know, I think I passed. Meanwhile, I talked to one of his professors up there, and he says he's, he's, the, he's the top student, and he's the most humble in the entire class. <laughs> anyway, Brett's, uh, Matt's headed for, Bra for Brazil in um, February. So, um, you know, we're going to uh, support him as a congregation. He's going to Brazil um, to teach English to the people being trained for to be missionaries in, in English-speaking nations, you know. So, um, you know, this little church, you say, isn't doing nothing? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. There's more that goes on than you, than you think. People walk in the door, and we get to talk to them. 
whatever it whatever it may be. Anyway, so I just wanted to bring that up. We're going to pray for him, them uh, when I'm done with the announcements, and then then I'll get into the message. So anyway, for that, those here, you know, we never take an offering. There's boxes in the back. There's a lot of people that like to give extra at the end of the year because they get tax deductions. You know, I never, ever asked for that until last year. I just started praying about it, and, and some checks came in. I mean, <laughs> it's amazing. I never prayed about it. And God says, ask and you shall receive. Huh? I asked. I'm not asking. So this year I'm saying, you know, I'm praying about that. And for a lot of people like to give extra donations, you know, to rather. I know when I was a businessman up in Pennsylvania, uh, my accountant came to me one year and he says, he says, she was two ladies. They said, you know, Joe, you can you can pay the government, you know, $15,000 or you can go out and buy yourself a new pickup truck and get rid of that junk heap you have, you know, and, and, and you can. You can say you can pay for it with tax money, and I says, "Well, there's no decision there. I'm just going to go buy the truck, and we'll deduct it from the taxes." So that's what people do. I don't know why they do it. It's just give out of a pure heart. I guess everybody does, but um, you know, those are things that I've been praying about this year, and and I uh, never prayed before. And we've been a church for almost nine years, I believe. So, and we've never asked for an offering. So God is in this. And remember, we the, the the old landlord tried to put us out, you know, about four or five times, and it ended up that the bank threw him out. So, you know, if you say Freedom Church isn't doing anything, obviously God thinks we are, so or God knows we are. So anyway, anyway, the services this Thursday are canceled for Christmas. Um, we're going to have our Christmas service will be today and next Sunday, so we're going to have two Christmas services, just so you know that. Um, that's about it for us here. I'd like to pray for uh, Matt and for uh, Matt's plans. We pray for his continued plans because he needs a plan for this. He's working on that right now. And, of course, Brett and Nona. You know, Brett and Nona, you know, I we used to just support him in Brazil. Now he's been to all different countries, uh, Z- Zambania, Tanzania, you know, uh, Nicaragua. What's that other one? The one he's at now? Nigeria, which I just said, and Brazil. So Brett's, you know, he's only 35, 36 years old. He's got a lot of years ahead of them, these two guys. So they got, you know what, they can be missionaries, evangelists to the world. So I'm really excited about that. And that's what we're supposed to do, train up others to preach the gospel. And we're part of their lives, and thank God. So anyway, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you. I just want to lift up. You know, those involved in missions here at our church, Lord, Brett and Nona and the kids still are in Brazil are coming back this Thursday, Lord. I want to pray for their protection. I want to thank you for the souls that were saved and the people that were delivered, Father, that they have been there, Father, in in in, in Brazil. And, Lord, for the ones in, in Nigeria, Lord, that have gotten saved, Father God, it was a tough battle. Lord, over there. Souls were one. Many souls were one, but it wasn't without a lot of fear and trembling from the people that were uh, were against the preaching the gospel there. And Father God, these people are tenacious, Lord. They're going after what you told them to do. Go and preach the gospel. Make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And they know that you are with them in everything that they do. So it's a co-mission. And we thank you for that. So, Father, 
uh, give Matt wisdom, knowledge, understanding to, to set up his plans, and he'll be gone for at least six months. And, Lord, for what he needs to do down there, helping to train people to preach the gospel in the English language. Oh, Father God, we just praise your holy name. So let your anointing and your blessing and your power be upon Brad and Nona and uh, Matt as they as they go and so into full-time ministry, you know, preaching and teaching and making disciples. And to you be the glory for it all in Jesus' name. Lord, as we preach this message, I bind back evil forces of wickedness in Jesus' name. They will not come here and try to confuse us by any shape or way or form. Lord God, we loose the Holy Spirit over this place. Lord, that he would speak to us loud and clear and we would hear everything that he says. And Lord, we would take it and apply it to our life because it's no good if we don't apply it. Hearing is one thing. Doing is another. So Father, help us to follow you, especially at this Christmas time and this New Year time, to preach to our families, our loved ones, our friends, our neighbors, and even to our enemies. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. All right. Church, uh, we're ready to move. I'd like you to turn to John chapter 15. People are saying a Christmas message in John chapter 15. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's a, a forward to, as I could say. And the main theme of the message, which is the message title today is, What if Jesus had not come? Think about it while, while we're reading this passage here. Think about it. What would the world be like if Jesus had not come to this earth? Let me put it another way. What would the world be like if God had not shown up here on earth in the form of a man, which the scriptures tell us he will do? Anyway, let's turn to John chapter 15, verses 18 through 25. I'm going to read it. I'm reading from the New King James Version. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. That's our key verse right there. I'm going to read it again. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now that they know I have came, they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which I, which no one else did, then they would have no sins. But now they have seen and also hated both me and the Father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled, 
which is written in the law, they hated me without cause. The basic theme of this message is you are without excuse. Jesus has come. What if he didn't come? Then you would have no sin because your sin wouldn't have been pointed out. That's what Jesus said here. I didn't say it. Okay? But since he did come and he identified himself as to who he was by his miracles and by the words that came out of his mouth, even at 12 years old, he dumbfounded the, the masterminds of Israel at 12 years old. He'd say, well, how did he get time to read the Word of God or the scrolls of God, the Isaiahs and, and the Genesis and all the scrolls? How did he get to do that? He is the Word. He is the Word. Get that. He knows the Word front and back, and he could quote it to you right now, the whole thing. He is the Word. Therefore, he confounded those scribes and Pharisees, those know-it-all, even Nicodemus when he came to him. Jesus said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. And Nicodemus said, how can I be born again? You know, I can't enter back into my mother's womb. And Jesus basically said to him, you, Nicodemus, you are the teacher in Israel. He didn't say a teacher. He said the teacher in Israel. And you don't know these things? How? They missed it. They missed it. Well, now we can't miss it today. And even the Jews missed it. You know, a lot of the Jews missed it. Of course, the disciples were Jews, and now they're, now they're Christians. They went out as Christians. They were called first Christians at Antioch. And all the, the scribes and, and, and Pharisees that followed Jesus and the people that followed Jesus, they became Christians. But it started within the Jewish rank because the Messiah, we knew, was coming from the, the tribe of uh, uh, Jacob. And we're also going to come through the line of David. We know all those things, and Jesus fulfills all those, those things. The 365 of them, and I'll get into that later. But we are without excuse. What if Jesus didn't come? Listen, this world has become such a scary and frightening place, hasn't it? You don't know if somebody's going to shoot you if you walk through a schoolyard or attack you when you're walking down the street or, or doing your laps around the block, you have no idea. This world has become a frightening place. And now even the news media is scaring half the people half to death with untrue news, most of it. The people in Russia know better. They call it propaganda. They don't listen to what the government says because the government, the government lies to them all the time. This world has become a scary place, and even America is scared. You know, the world's getting worse every day. You know, they fly airplanes into our two towers. They shoot people randomly. They think God's going to, ju they're justifying themselves before their so-called God, which is really not God. I'm sure that comes from the pit of hell. This world is a scary place. There's so much anger, anger in this world today. And there's no not enough love. I preached on love Thursday night. First John chapter 4. I got two verses. 11 and 12. Love. I had 18 pages of notes. I got through four pages. Love. We're talking not erotic love. We're not talking brotherly love. 
We're not talking uh, storge love, the love you would have for your puppy dog. We're talking about agape love. If you went out in the street today and said, I love my sister, they're going to think, they, they're going to, you know, they have, Ameri English has one word for love. It's love. But Greek has four words for love that I know about. You know, there's agape, which is unconditional. Forgiven, you know, a forgiving love. There's brotherly love, like the city of Philadelphia in Pennsylvania called the city of brotherly love. I'll tell you what, I didn't see that experience last November election. Then there's erotic love, which is what most Americans, especially those that don't know Christ, think about when they think of love. And then there's storge, which is like you have love for your puppy. I don't love my puppy the same way I love my wife. Neither do you. But we have one word for it. It confuses this world. There's not enough agape love, unconditional love. Deep in the heart of many people, there's an emptiness that nothing in this world can fill. They don't know it. A lot of them don't know it. There's an emptiness that nothing in this world can fill. This emptiness makes it impossible for them to love in the agape method. That's why John wrote his book. Every time he writes the word love in his three epistles, it's talking about agape love. And man needs to know that. Even Bible teachers don't even uh, follow that sometimes. They don't understand. They just use the word love. I would like to say, if I could break the habit, is say, you know, there's not enough agape, because that's what it means. There's not enough agape, unconditional love. There's an emptiness in their hearts that it's impossible for them to love because of everything else that's going on. Our job as Christians is to remind them that God loves them. That's our job. God loved them so much he gave his only son. That, that kind of like was the whole theme of the beginning of this service. Our job is to tell them God loves them, not with an erotic love, not with a brotherly love, not like a love that he would have for their animal, but a love that is unconditional. He loves you so much that he gave his own life for you. We're to mind the world, remind the world of that God loves them. And how does how does how do we prove that? Because Jesus, the one who was the clothed with flesh in Bethlehem on Christmas, what we call Christmas, okay, he came in the flesh. Even Hebrews 10.5 tells us that a body was prepared for him. You know, it wasn't a Brad Pitt-style body. It was just a normal body. He wasn't anything spectacular, says Isaiah. You know, he wasn't any, had any stately form or majesty. He laid down all his majesty up in heaven to come down here because he loved me and you so much. And we celebrate that at Christmas, the coming of the Messiah, the King of Israel. Why did he come? We came for several reasons. You know, not, you know he came to, to um, fulfill Scripture. He came to teach us. What would the world be without Jesus' teachings today? It would be a real mess. To do unto others as you would have others do unto you. What if that teaching wasn't even around? You do unto yourself before you do unto others. Jesus spins a, a reverse spin on it. 
He came to die for us, to redeem us, because of our, you know, we are sinners. And the wages of sin is death. So he gave us a gift, God, that we could believe in his son Jesus, who is holy and righteous. The Mary was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. The high Holy Spirit overshadowed her. And she became a very um, loved woman. But the seed was from God. The Holy Spirit overshadowed her. And really, the sin travels through the man's line because he has the seed of sin. And therefore, because God's seed was implanted in Mary without her having any intercourse with with any man, the seed was from God and it was perfectly holy, making Jesus' father God and he's also the, the woman is is the uh, bloodline or the man line. So he has an earthly mother and a heavenly father, Jesus himself. Jesus died for them, and because his blood was righteous, he could pay the penalty for our sin. We must tell the world that God's love for them is real. And Jesus demonstrated that love. Jesus will fill their hearts and fill that emptiness And they will be free to love one another once again. But right now, we don't see that in the world. I see it getting deeper and deeper and deeper into depravity and sin and hatred. Everybody hates one another. Even on Thursday night, I I said, even brothers and sisters in Christ are fighting with one another because we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you don't believe in it. And we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You don't believe in it. We believe there's apostles today, but you don't believe in it. And they say, well, Amos said in 3.3, how can two walk together if they don't agree? But see, the Christian church does agree. The Catholics agree. The Protestants agree. The, the Methodists, the, the Lutherans, the Presbyterians, the non-denominations, the Assembly of Gods, they all believe the same thing. Their foundation is Christ came and Christ died, and Christ is buried, and Christ is risen the third day according to the Scriptures. We do agree. We're an army that fights amongst ourselves, and the world looks at us and says, I want to be like them? They can't even get themselves right. You think that you're right and they're wrong. You know, God forbid if we're wrong, or God forbid if they're wrong. You know what that is? I'm going to boil it down to a simple one word, pride. We're, I'm right, you're wrong. It's pride. Then you get these people on the radio and TV, they bash in their brother because he don't believe the same way. But we do believe. Some people like country western music. Some people like jazz. Some people like contemporary Christian. Some people like rock and roll. Some people like hard rock. You know what? All these different churches have all different... Uh, what can I say, a realm around them that people are attracted to. If they're playing country music, they might like to go to a country music church because they're preaching the same thing we are. Some of those churches, the remnant that really holds true to the foundational scripture is a little smaller than others. 
That's where we go. And we got, we got carnality moving into the Christian church. And the brothers shoot themselves. We shoot our own brothers in the foot. And we're on the same team. We're in the same army. And I related it to, to let's relate the church to, to an army. The army, an army has, well, let's, let's, let's call it, um, let's see. Well, let's call, call it army. I can't think of a word. The armed forces, that's what I'm looking for. The armed forces consist of the army, the marines, the navy, the air force, the merchant marines. We're one army. But they all have different realms to fight in. The Air Force fights from the sky. The Army fights from the ground. The, 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 the SEAL, Navy SEALs, they fight from the ground. Also, even underwater, whatever they have to do. They're on the same team. We're not supposed to be shooting our brother. You shoot your brother, you, you have one less guy or one less woman in the Christian faith. You don't shoot them. You, you try to win them over, but one of you is wrong. But listen to this. If one of you are wrong on not the foundational scripture, okay, if one of you are wrong, it will not send you to hell. It is, a, it is just a disagreement. You believe this and they believe that. Somebody's wrong, but it will not cost you or your eternal life. So this message, it's time for the world to get, the church to get together. And that, you know, Jesus said, you know, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. He, he said, uh, you know, he's basically saying in that, a church standing against itself cannot stand. An army fighting against itself cannot stand. A church cannot stand. We fight among one another. And that's why we as Christian churches are losing ground. We have a soft message. Somebody said here, I pulled it off of the internet. Somebody sent it to me on my phone. It said, if Jesus preached the same message that ministers today preach, he would never have been crucified. Leonard Ravenwood. Another person, Paul, sent me another thing. We need preachers who will preach that hell is still hot, that heaven is still real, that sin is still wrong, that the Bible is God's word, and that Jesus is the only way to salvation. That's solid teaching there. We need preachers that will do that. Then why is West Palm Beach the number 11th churchless city in America? Why? We need to quit fighting amongst ourselves we do agree we do agree we're our, and what jesus is telling us here is to tell them that his message hasn't changed his message hasn't changed we quoted it probably 10 times already this morning for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life and everybody takes that. You see the signs at the football games, the basketball games, the hockey games. You see it, John, 1 John 3, 16. But that word believe is a verb, and it demands action, which is why I say it's adhering to, trusting in, and relying on him. It demands action to follow him. We're to tell them that, that that the message hasn't changed. God loves you, and Jesus demonstrated his love towards you 
Now, while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. We're to tell them that he was in the world. Here, I'm going to turn back to John chapter 1. And I'm going to go to the 10th the, uh, verse. He was in the world. This is, let me go up to the first verse, okay? In the beginning was the word. That word beginning there in Greek is NRK, which means beyond the beginning of time. So, in the, before, beyond the beginning of time was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and life was the light of men. That pretty much tells you who Jesus is right off the bat. John don't mess around when he wrote his first gospel. He didn't mess around. He wanted you to know that Jesus was before the beginning of time. That means he always existed. He wanted you to know that he was, he was the Word, and the Word was always with God. And then and we find out that in the 14th verse, the Word became flesh. So, in the 10th verse, he the one who was with God the Father in the beginning of time, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, that's people, the Jews, and his own people did not receive him. But as many as did receive him, he gave them the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. And the 14th verse, and the Word became flesh, and the Word dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And I'm going to go back, and I've said this before, and I'm, you know, a preacher tries to drive things home, you know, so that, so that you get the message. People talk, well, you have two gods, you have three gods, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. No, you don't. You have one God and three persons. In the 20, what is it, the 26th verse of uh, Genesis chapter 1 let me read it then God said let us make man in our image according to our likeness our your our image go back to the first verse of Genesis in the beginning that word there is brashith in Hebrew and it means time in the beginning of time God created the heavens and earth. There's God the Father. In the second verse, And the earth was formless and void, and the darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God hoovered over the water. Now there's the Spirit. Then verse 3, Then God said, Let there be light. And who is the Word of God? Jesus. And the Word became flesh, and He dwelt among us. So right here shows you why God said in the 26th verse, let, then God said, let us make man in our image. Plural pronouns. So Jesus came to earth. He demonstrated his love towards us, seeing that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, and then the word was made flesh, and he dwelt among us. I remember Billy Graham once said, he was taking his little boys to somewhere, and they stepped on an ant hill and killed the ants, and the little boys wanted to fix the ants and make sure they were okay. And Joe Billy Graham used it as a spiritual lesson to his son. He said, listen, we're much too big 
to go down there and he do this. So we're going to have to become like them. Right? That's what Jesus did. The word of God became like man. Even though he was fully God and fully man, that's 100% each, 100% man through the woman and 100% God through God's seed that impregnated Mary. And then Hebrews 10.5 tells us Jesus, and, and that whoever wrote that book, we think it might have been Paul, you know, said that the, a body was prepared for him. So he has a body. And he came. But what if he never came? What if Jesus never came to this world? Let's just look at some of the things that would change. And I'm sure I don't have them all, but I'm sure that you'll get the message. What if Jesus hadn't come? You celebrate Christmas right now, right? Do you know if Jesus never come that there would be little godly righteous teachings on this earth? Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5 of Matthew, chapter 6, chapter 7, and most of chapter 8, all Jesus' teaching, all good teaching. There would be no cross to wear around your neck. A lot of you have crosses on your neck today. You wouldn't have that on your neck because, you know what, it's a, it's a uh, image of death. It's a, it's a cross of death. Who would wear that? But you wear it today. You know why? Because you see the love of God and his blood that was shed for you. So you wear a cross around your neck. There wouldn't be any crosses because Jesus would never have died for you. Uh, what? There wouldn't be any Holy Spirit to help you. How many times did all of you go to God for something, even if you claim to be an atheist? I heard Kevin Sorbo on the phone on TV say the other day he was on on uh, with uh, with President Trump and what's his name, the other guy, Mike Huckleby, and. Uh, Kevin Sorbo said, this is Kevin, he used to play Hercules, remember, in his younger days? Built, nice, he says. And I'm here to tell you, you know, that I'm a former atheist and now I'm a Christian and Jesus Christ is Lord, <laughs> you know? So there would be no, you know, there would be none of, the whole, no Holy Spirit. Who would have helped him become a Christian? Nobody, because he wouldn't be any Holy Spirit. There would be no grace for your sins. There would be no mercy. You wouldn't have any hope. You just look at the world, there's no hope. Hope wouldn't exist because, you know, the greatest of the faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love. There wouldn't be any hope. You wouldn't have hope for heaven. You wouldn't have hope your children are born healthy. You wouldn't have hope that they would turn out to be good people. There wouldn't be any heaven. There wouldn't be any heaven at all. There would be no salvation for you or for me. Now, Right now, we're in a building. We call this a church. Do you realize that there would be no churches in the world? You, could, you, you wouldn't be going to Greece to see all the, the beautiful uh, temples and, and churches over there, or even in Rome. There would be no church. This church wouldn't exist. I wouldn't know you, and you wouldn't know me. Our lives crossed because of Jesus Christ. 
and him crucified, dead, buried, and risen. It came to, there would be no, no good Samaritan. With this world the way it is, I can't even picture anybody helping somebody else. Like, like the man helped the, the, good Samaritan, the good Samaritan helped the one that was robbed on the road. There would be no forgiveness for your sins. You'd just be rotting away in our sins like the leper that we read about in, in Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. You're just rotting away from your sin. Your lust would turn into sin, and your sin eventually, when it's completed, will lead you to death, says James. You wouldn't have James to tell you that. You'd just be rotting away. There would certainly wouldn't be any gospel because Jesus never came, never died, never was risen, and the gospel means good news, so that means there wouldn't be any much good news in this world without Christ. Some of you people that went through hell on earth, there would be no beauty for your ashes. There'd be no beauty for ashes because that's what Messiah came to do. Give you beauty for your ashes, says Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3. There would be no garments of praise for your heaviness. When your loved one dies, you, you have a heavy heart and there's nothing to cure that because there's no garment of praise for that. Now we look at people that, that pass on, we look at them and we praise God. We have hallelujah services instead of mourning services, even though we're mourning inside and even tears flow down our face. We wouldn't have all that. We wouldn't have the garment of praise for that heaviness in our hearts. A lot of people would commit suicide because they couldn't take it and stand it. And your loved ones. If Jesus never came, your loved ones, where would they be? Dead in the ground? Or would they be alive and well in the kingdom of heaven? There would be none of that. There would be no hope for a Messiah's return. I hope in every day the Messiah gets back there hurried. Hurry up, hurry up, Lord Jesus. Come. You know what? Right now, we celebrate Christmas. You wouldn't be celebrating Christmas because there would be no Christmas. There would be no Christ's day when he was born. There would be no Christmas tree in your house if you put one up. There would be no holly nowhere. There would be no mistletoes. There wouldn't be gifts under a Christmas tree because God didn't give his gift. It would be a sad, sad world. There would be no wreaths on your door. But since Jesus did come, there's no excuse for your sin. That means you have something to do about it. Now, spiritually, because Jesus did come, and he spoke to us, and he did the, he identified himself by what he has done. Let me just go through a few of those for you. Let me go through a few of those. What has he has done? We were studying Matthew on Thursday nights before, before, uh, no, on, on, before, no, we've been studying on Sunday morning before the Christmas season hit, okay? And we got through most of that chapter and in that chapter, we saw that Jesus identified himself as being able to heal leprosy, which is 
equated to sin in the Old Testament, okay? We saw that he healed leprosy, which rots a person away from his lust, his sin, and it leads to death. We saw Jesus lay hands on him and heal a leper that Dr. Luke in his gospel tells us that he was full of leprosy. And nobody ever, ever, nobody ever healed leprosy in the Bible. You could say Elisha did when he told Naaman to go to the Jordan River, but he never touched him. He never even, never even talked to him. He wouldn't even see Naaman, and Naaman was ticked off. He was the general of the army of Syria. He had a wise servant, thank God, that said, if he told you some great thing to do, would you have done it? And he said, yeah. So then go dip yourself in the Jordan seven times. And he did. He rose up with those leprosy. But that was, that was not a Jewish person. That was a Syrian. He didn't have to offer sacrifices. So they, th- as far as the Jews were concerned, nobody's ever healed leprosy. But Jesus identified himself as one that's able to heal leprosy. Even the scribes and the Pharisees had to go to the scrolls to find out what kind of offering does this guy give. And we never did this before. Then we saw him identify himself as as being able to heal a disease that's never been healed before. Then we saw him heal a centurion's servant. He identifies himself. Distance means nothing to God. Because God, Jesus, was on his way to the guy's house to heal his servant who was on his deathbed. And before he ever got there, you know, the the centurion says, Jesus, I'm not worthy you come under my roof. Just speak a word and your servant my servant will be healed. And he was from a distance. How many of you can heal somebody from a distance? How many of you can heal somebody on their deathbed? You can't. He identifies himself as to who he is. Then we get on. We saw that he walked into Peter's house, and his mother-in-law had a great fever, and Jesus said to the fever, go. And they left. How many people have tried that with your fever or your headache or your your, uh, pain in your leg? Go. If you did it in Jesus' name, most likely it could happen. How many of you could do that? He identified himself. He is in charge here. Now, even in that chapter, he he healed he you know he healed other sick people and cast demons out. And then, then last time, last message we had in Matthew, we saw that Jesus was preaching. He went in the boat. He went over to the uh, over the other side, and and a great storm came up. And the five fishermen that were among the 12 disciples thought that they were going to drown. They have been on the Sea of Galilee all their life. They knew that this was a bad storm. They're going to they're gonna expire. They're done. So they go back. Jesus is sleeping in the back. They wake him up. Say, Jesus, we're going to perish. And he said, oh, you have little faith. And he said, peace be still. And the, the wind stopped and the waves stopped. Who do you know that has, has power over creation? Who do you know that can stop the wind and calm the seas? He identifies himself as to who he is. He's the creator. The creation listens to him, all except mankind for the most part. Even the disciples are in the boat. Who is this man? Who is this man? That even can tell the sea and the winds to stop, and they obey him. 
They get over to the other side. We didn't get to that part yet. They get over to the other side, and there comes this two demoniacs. One of them we know is called lesions. And what does lesions say to Jesus? We know who you are. You're the son of God. Oh, my goodness. The disciples didn't know. You don't know. But a demon knows. We've got to get it together and realize who this man is. Who do you say it is? Jesus asked, he asked Peter. And he answered correctly. You are the son of God. The Messiah of Israel. If you don't know that church or world or whoever's listening to this message, you need to know it now. Who is this man? Since he did come, if he didn't come, you would be without excuse for your sins. But since he did come, Jesus is saying, you have no excuse. For those of you out there, you're 50 years old and you've never, you celebrated 50 Christmases, but you've never received the gift of Jesus Christ. Not being too intelligent. Some of the greatest people in the world know who Jesus is. Some of the least people in the world know who Jesus is. But you, who's highly educated, may not know. You put all your faith in, in who knows, science or math. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. If Jesus, since Jesus did come, you have eternal life. And you get to choose whether you want it or not. It's up to you. You know, the devil probably said, the devil was probably laughing in his, his throne, his coal-burning throne in hell. He's probably laughing, saying, I lost my train of thought. He's probably laughing, saying, these people don't know who he is. But they knew. There'd be no good news. There'd be no resurrection. We wouldn't have, you wouldn't be celebrating Easter Sunday. There would be no Easter. There would be no Easter. No agape love. But since we See, Jesus has come. There is eternal life. There is good news. There is a resurrection. There is agape love. There is a Holy Spirit. There is a church. You know, I don't know where you guys are from, but where I'm from, the church bells used to ring every Christmas, midnight. Doing, doing, rang a long time. I don't hear that so much here in Florida. There'd be no deliverance for your sins at all. No redemption, no Savior, no miracles, no hopes if Jesus didn't come. No precious blood to save you from your sins. None of that. I can't believe how fast time goes. Wow. Anyway. You've, you've seen this before. I've used it before. I took the 365 scriptures that tell you that the Messiah is coming, and I put them on paper with just a few. The, the verse and the first, you know, first in the Old Testament, verse in the New Testament with the idea, the great I am. 
If I typed out the whole the whole verses that are recorded here, 365 of them, this this thing right now is about eight feet long. It would go all the way to probably to the back of the church, probably 20 feet, 60 feet. I'm sorry. One man fulfilled all those scriptures. So who do you say he is? He's the Messiah of Israel. It happened just like he said it would happen. You know, when I was, before I was a believer, I was reading the Bible. Somebody gave me a track. It was a chick track. And the track said it was, you know, just artwork, hand-printed artwork. It was called Creator or Liar. And I read that track, and I hadn't made my decision for Jesus yet. And I read that track, and in that track, there was, there was a page in there that said there were 17 scriptures. That, no, yeah, there were 17 scriptures. No, 33 scriptures that were fulfilled the day Christ died. And I thought, oh, well, that's, that's nice. That's probably what a lot of people were saying. Oh, that's nice. But then the friend that was with me, that was witnessing to me, he said, you know what's significant about that, Joe? I said, no, what's significant? He said, half of them were fulfilled after he was dead. And I'm there like, boy, the Holy Spirit fell on me. And I said, how could he control what was happening after he was dead? That means he was alive. I struggled for a few more days, and then I gave my life to the Lord after a dream that he had given me. Christmas is all about Jesus. It's all about the gift. It's not the gift that you get from your spouse or your, your husband or, or your daughter or your son. It's the gift that God gave you, and you didn't open it up under your tree. Christmas is all about Jesus. Christ miss. Christ day. It's like your birthday, only it's Christ day. You know, people said to me, well, Jesus didn't really come on December 25th I said probably not most likely I think it was in the spring but the point is he came he came there's proof that he came more than any other historical figure Christ is the top one we've got more information on him than just about anybody even things like Alexander the Great and Caesar were written hundreds of years after they were gone the New Testament is written within 30 years of Christ's death. Not time for hearsay and a bunch of junk to enter into it. It's true. It's about Christmas. I love the Christmas songs. I love the Christmas songs. I think White Christmas is a great song. I like Jingle Bells. I like Frosty the Snowman. But it's not about those things. It's about Jesus. I'm going to read a little poem. I kind of changed the lyrics around a little bit. I'm going to read it the way it is. Frosty the Snowman was a jolly happy soul with a corncob pipe and a button nose and two eyes made out of coal. Frosty the Snowman is a fairy tale, they say. He was made of snow, but the children know that he came to life that day. There was, must have been some magic in that old silk hat they found, for when they placed it on his head, he began to dance around. Oh, Frosty the snowman was alive as he could be, and the children say he could laugh and play just the same as you and me. Thumpity thump thump. Here's my version. 
Christ the non-Christian was a fun-loving, happy soul. They, with pride in his pipe and a turned-up nose and two eyes made out of black coal. Jesus the Lord is a fairy tale, they say. He was made up, don't you know? They say Jesus came to life that day. There must have been some fraud in those scriptures that they found. But when Christian placed his heart in Christ, he began to preach around. Oh, Chris the Christian was now alive as he could be. Christian believers say Jesus came to life that third day and paid the sin debt for you and me. Spiritually, spiritually, now I can see. Listen, that's what it's all about. It's not about Frosty the Snowman. I like to make snowmen. It's probably made a hundred of them in my lifetime. But it's not about him. It's about Christmas. But here's the main verse that we started with. Let me quote it to you again. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. So because Jesus came and spoke to the world, now we know what God has done for us. And Jesus has identified himself. There's no excuse. For those of you out there that don't know, here's the important question. Who do you say he is? This would be a whole different world if Jesus wasn't in it. There would be no Christian population at all. And Christians, how many times a day? It can't be numbered. Take the Holocaust, for example, all the Jews whose lives that were saved by Christians taking them and getting them to freedom, and some of them losing their lives doing so. There would be no Christians in the world. But there is a Christ, and he did come, and he was made flesh, and he did dwell among us, and he did die for our sins on the cross. He was crucified because he was the king of the Jews, and he did rise the third day, according to the Scriptures. So who is he? He's the Messiah of Israel, and everybody needs to know it this Christmas. So go and tell everybody. And this world will be changed if us Christians would just group together as one unit and march through this world. And to God be the glory for it all. Let's pray. Father, today we just thank you for your word. We bless your holy name, Lord God. Thank you for Jesus, Lord. I remember his words when he was on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Father, I sinned against you. I didn't know what I was doing. Now I know of you, and I know what I'm doing, and I hate it, and I need your help to serve you. And so does the rest of the congregation. Lord, we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God, but we thank you that you provided a way of escape through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, I pray that everyone out there today that doesn't know you, has never received your gift, that they would say, yes, Father, I want the gift of Jesus Christ. That way they're confessing with their mouth, Jesus is Lord, and hopefully they're believing in their heart that God gave them eternal life. To you be the glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless the church. I love you. Merry Christmas.